This is the EdSurge podcast for the week of April 20th to April 24th. We bring you the EdTech leading news and opinion that you love from EdSurge, but on the go. Each week on this show, we bring you the top stories from EdSurge News. It's all geared towards educators, entrepreneurs, and investors, and all right on your favorite device. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Ed Surge Podcast. I'm Michael Winters. And I'm Mary Jo Matta. Michael, when I came into the office today, we had two pretty exciting guests here. Yes, we sure did. Linda Weinman of lynda.com was in the office this week along with her husband and co-founder, Bruce Haven. I am a little starstruck, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of a starstruck moment in an ed techie way, uh, but it was so much fun having them here. You know, along with just being really genuinely nice and fun people, they had a lot of, of good stories to tell from their experiences running and growing Linda. And our CEO, Betsy, sat down and talked to them both for a bit, and, and we'll be sharing that interview as a separate podcast early next week. I think we're going to call it the Ed Surge EdTech Extra. Ah, that is good yes. assonance, Mary Jo. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I don't know what we'll call it, but look out for that uh, next Monday or Tuesday. Linda and Bruce talk about the ups and downs of founding and running a company. So everything from strategic decisions to hiring and firing to when it's a good time to take outside funding. And my favorite part was towards the end, they discuss whether it's a good or a bad idea to name a company after yourself. Ooh, that sounds like an interesting notion. It is. Well, that sounds great. Listeners, look out for that early next week. But in the meantime, let's get to this week's news. The Learning Accelerator has awarded $1.3 million to 10 organizations for the development of open educational resources. The lucky 10 who will create prototypes of the content by summer 2015 include EdCount, Expeditionary Learning, LearnZillion, and seven other companies. Congratulations to each of them, and you can check out the full list on edsurge.com. To guide students to success, effective educators will adapt a playbook of learning strategies and tools for their students. But how exactly do school leaders adapt resources for their particular environments? Well, EdSurge has just released a personal learning playbook guide, which includes personalization strategies from all-stars like Michael Horn and Stacey Childress, as well as the perspectives of educators from Riverside to Delaware. By the way, one of my favorite parts, we have 12 resources to help you create your very own personalized learning playbook. Let the games begin. And speaking of Michael Horn of the Clayton Christensen Institute, he partnered with Paul Friedman of Entangled Ventures to create an interesting opinion piece this week. The two of them looked at Elucian Technologies, a maker of mainly higher ed focused technologies, including a student information system, mobile platform, grading analytics, and, and other tools. The two of them argue that the company's recent acquisition of Helix Education's learning management system could allow the company to become a serious challenger to Canvas and Blackboard in the LMS space. Now, moving into the world of testing, Smarter Balance Common Core Testing has hit some roadblocks in Nevada, Montana, and North Dakota. The three states, which all use computer exam provider measured progress to administer the tests, temporarily stopped testing last week after the server was overloaded and crashed. If less than 95% of a state's students end up taking the exams, the state risks losing millions of dollars in federal funding. And speaking of millions of dollars, let's talk ka-chings. 
Beijing-based Yuantiku raised $60 million in Series D funding from several investors. Since 2012, the company has offered custom practice sets for China's National College Entrance Exam. Back in the U.S., Full Measure Education of Washington, D.C. has raised $5.5 million to support its mission of connecting potential college dropouts to counselors and support networks. High school counselor helper Campus Steps has raised a $3 million Series A round, and Muzzy Lane, a maker of multiplayer educational games, raised $450,000 from the Massachusetts Growth Capital Corporation. Education journalists flocked to the Windy City this past week for the Education Writers Association Conference. Our very own managing editor, Tony Wan, ventured out to Chicago and came away with some interesting quotes, particularly those from Arne Duncan on the realities of students and parents opting out from testing. He filed this report from Chicago. Earlier this week in Chicago, about 500 education reporters from across the country gathered for the Education Writers Association's 68th annual seminar. They came from places far and wide, from outlets like the New York Times to weekly newspapers in smaller towns like Casper, Wyoming, and Billings, Montana. And as someone who just covers the technology aspect of education, it's felt a little bit like walking in a deep, dark cave with a flashlight pen. You see all of the other political and financial issues that are very hot-button topics in education today that are all intertwined with technology. Now, this year, the big elephant in the room was on the Common Core testing problems that many states were encountering. And many of the speakers questioned the value of assessments. One of them made a good point that I remember clearly. He said that in an ideal world, we want assessments that are better, shorter, and cheaper. But in reality, we can only have two of those three things, at least currently. Another speaker was U.S. Secretary of Education Arne Duncan, who got lightly grilled over this testing issue. He didn't say specifically whether there will be consequences in states and districts where many kids are opting out of the standardized tests. He only mentioned vaguely that the federal government does, quote, have an obligation to step in if needed. He was also asked about how he talks about testing with his family and his two kids who go to public schools. He said, quote, they don't spend a lot of time worrying about the stuff. It's not a traumatic event, and it's just part of most kids' education growing up. Duncan says that it's the adults who make a big deal that make it traumatic for the kids. Okay, now for the rest of the podcast, we're going to try something different and do a deep dive into what's happening right now with EdTech in L.A. And that's because not only there's a lot going on in EdTech in L.A., but also we're recording right now from the EdSurge Tech for Schools Summit in Los Angeles. We know that many of you have heard some of the news that have been coming out of the City of Angels recently. Last week, LAUSD rocked the news pipeline by announcing that it will no longer be purchasing iPads with Pearson software. The district also reportedly asked Apple for a refund on the money that it had already paid. But that's not the least of it, because this week, the Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC, opened an informal inquiry into whether Los Angeles school officials complied with legal guidelines during this whole $1.3 billion iPad rollout. Now, okay, with all of this acrimony, it begs the question of how this has really affected parties on both sides of the equation. Yes, the companies, but perhaps more importantly, the teachers and the students. Right. So I'll start from the company perspective. We always like to look at things on on both sides on this podcast. And in this case, uh, I don't think the companies. Well, it's really it's really kind of cut and dry. If you are a company and you promise something to a customer and you don't deliver, you're out of luck. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you just you just don't do that. 
if you sell something, you deliver it. If you don't deliver it, then your customer has every right to be upset and perhaps even ask for a refund. Uh, you know, now there are there are certainly times in in business where circumstances change. Maybe there are some kind of extenuating circumstances, right? That that make it hard to deliver on on those promises. That's that's happened to me both at EdSurge and and prior to EdSurge. But when that happens, you know, it's it's your job as a company to either renegotiate or or change the timeline or do something to still deliver that product. Um, and in this case, it doesn't doesn't seem to have been done. Bottom line, as a company, you're responsible for it no matter what happens. So that's my thoughts from a company perspective. Mary Jo, you were a teacher and you were an administrator. How does this all look to you? Well, I could go from my experience, my personal experience, which was actually a bit similar to what the LAUSD teachers have been going through. Because in the school that I taught at in Los Angeles, which was a Catholic school, we also experienced somewhat of a botched iPad rollout. It was on a much smaller scale, though, because of the fact that it was only my school. It wasn't a district-wide conundrum. And frankly, at the end of the day, myself and all the rest of the teachers just continued to teach. I mean, sure, the iPads themselves weren't that helpful, but at the end of the day, you have students in front of you, and you're going to teach them to the standards and the tests that you know you're going to have to deliver to at the end of the year, so you don't really have a choice. Did you feel, though, that it the botched rollout might have distracted your your higher-ups, the, the administrators or your supervisors? Did, was it a, a distraction for the school? I think it was more of a money suck than anything. I mean, there was a lot of money that could have gone towards updating our classroom structures or buying more software that actually would have been usable on the existing desktop computers that we already had. And not that I wasn't excited about the iPad rollout, but the distraction of the administrators, I guess, was something that we did see. Now, in terms of the teachers themselves, though, what I will say about this whole LAUSD mountain of news over the past years is that I've been reading a lot of reporting and I've been reading a lot from outside perspectives, but I really haven't read any articles from teachers. I haven't seen blog posts. I haven't seen a heck of a lot of tweets about it. I just really haven't seen anything. And I think that's part of the benefit of us being on the floor in LA right now is that we took to the floor of the summit and talked to some teachers to get their perspectives. Because frankly, I could keep talking all I want, but at the end of the day, what matters most is what they thought. So let's actually take a listen to what some of these LAUSD teachers felt like during the process of this LAUSD iPad debacle. My name is Janet Morgan. I am a special education teacher working right now with students in high school on the autism spectrum on social communication skills, self-regulation behavior. I work for Los Angeles Unified School District. Fabulous. So Janet, can you talk a little bit about what's the climate been like in LAUSD over the past year? What have you heard or observed or understood the climate to be like? I just think it's been disheartening. It's just been a waste of a lot of energy and money. Don't buy anything until you know what you want it to do. And unfortunately, I think therein lies the problem. I teach for LAUSD. I teach world languages. Uh, to be more specific, I teach Spanish for in high school. I think what I'd like to share with the district is that a few things. Number one, 
you need to ask teachers in the classroom what is it that we need don't just go hiring a group of bureaucrats to to make the decision for us they have no idea what goes on in the classroom we are there with the kids in the classroom we know them we know how they learn and we know what they need why don't you come visit my classroom i can show you what i do with my students with the limited technology that i have and if you just came and asked me what is it that i need i can make recommendations that would be far better than what you get from the group of bureaucrats that you hire that have no knowledge of a goes in the classroom i know my students i know how they learn and i know what they need you and i as a teacher and you as an administrator can make the decisions better, not some outside group telling us what to do. Now we wanted to get a perspective from some educators in addition to LAUSD uh, who have been around the atmosphere in LA and have their own thoughts about tech integration, how that works best, and also whether an iPad is exactly what you need for the classroom. So can you introduce yourselves for everybody, please? Sure. My name is Angela DeRoe and I work at the STEAM Academy at Burke. I'm a middle school teacher of humanities and also social media and video production. It's a new school in LA County. And my name is Lauren Yanarella. I teach some technology courses including robotics and coding as well as Google Apps. I also do some IT stuff at the STEAM Academy. Fantastic. I think uh, Apple products are personally great for the personal use, mm -hmm. but they have no business in the enterprise uh, environment. They make it very difficult to do business with large numbers, um, and I personally prefer anything but Apple, Fascinating. to be honest. For, for me, it really depends on what I'm going to use that product for. For example, I would say with the Chromebooks, if I want my kids to do a research paper and I need them to type things up, then I definitely want a Chromebook. If I want my kids to be shooting video and doing things with GarageBand, I really can't do that as well on a Chromebook. So those are some of the issues for me is it, it really depends on what I'm trying to do with that student learning. And I think because of these issues, we really need an all-in-one tool that is functional, that is affordable for districts, and we're waiting for it. So people, let's bring it in. Let's do it, okay? Now, a lot of the educators we talked to did have thoughts like this, but it's important to note that Within every conversation that Michael and I conducted, almost every educator did end on a positive note. And to close out this section of the podcast, I'd like to bring up one in particular that struck me that spoke to the potential of students to really excel from the use of technology based on their own interests, especially for the kids. I see the big difference. Um, they are engaged, they are ready to learn, they want to know more, you know, and also it's not just what I give them, but when I, if I give them A, they come back to me and say, hey, look, I also found B and C. So it's like they, they take the initiative to do things on their own, to find other apps or software that works for them, and they want to share it with me in the classroom so that, that I can also expose to other kids to it. And we do it in a classroom. I think we learn together. It's just so beautiful to see them accessing information from around, from around the world. It's fantastic. And finally, to close out the podcast, we've got two opportunities for you this week. First, one final reminder that EdSurge is hosting a jobs fair this week on April 29th at GSV Labs in Redwood City, California. If you're hunting for an EdTech job, or if you're hunting for someone to fill a vacant EdTech job at your company, shoot us a note at helen at edsurge.com.
And if you're looking for some stellar recognition for you or a colleague that's doing great work, and a way to share your best practices, apply to our Digital Innovation and Learning Awards, co-led with nonprofit Digital Promise. You can find all the information on dilas.org. That's D-I-L-A-S.org. Well, that's all the time we've got for today. Thanks to Paul Friedman, Michael B. Horn, and all of the other writers that contributed to EdSurge this week. And of course, thank you to you for listening and for reading EdSurge. And remember that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or whatever you like to listen to podcasts on. Okay, that's it for today. I'm Mary Jo Matta. And I'm Michael Winters. We'll see you next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast. Thank <laughs> you.